It is that time again, time for some informed analysis and measured opinion on the week's top news stories with our powerhouse roundtable. As always, we have a great one for you, so introductions first. Nancy Ankrum is the editorial page editor of the Miami Herald. Welcome Michelle Kaufman, longtime sports columnist and writer for the Miami Herald, whose specialty is sports and soccer, the first South Florida reporter to interview David Beckham. And welcome back, Ed Pazwoli, the president of the Tripp Scott Law Firm in Fort Lauderdale and a very influential voice in the Republican Party. Great to have you Good all. Good morning. You. Great Good to morning. have you all here. Good morning. Hello. So soccer, Michelle, we've, uh, we've both, and um, you first, interviewed David Beckham. We've interviewed Jorge Mas. Things have gone so many places in the last four years, and here we are with this plan that a lot of people say is beautiful, a lot of people are dead set against because of the process that has taken place or has not taken place. Weigh in on that. Uh, yes, it's been quite a saga. I've actually covered this saga for 20 years now since MLS. Since you were nine. Real, since I was nine years old, <laughs> yes. Uh, MLS in 1996 was demanding to have a team in Miami. Miami is the number one soccer TV market in the country. Uh, the World Cup that just ended, Miami led the entire nation in English and Spanish language uh, coverage combined, viewership. And so this is a soccer crazy town. And MLS has wanted a team here for that long, wants Miami to be the gateway team to Latin America. They think that fans in South America will, will you know, support the team in Miami. But it's very, very complicated because of the politics. This, the league wants the stadium to be in the city limits of Miami. They don't want it to be out somewhere west well, or south or north. The, they want it on the waterfront. They, they first want it on the waterfront. They wanted urban core. The words that were used first were urban core, urban core. Now they've stretched a little bit farther from the urban core. This is now the fifth site that they're trying to get, the fifth site. And yes, the, the big question here is, uh, you know, the golf course, should it be a golf course, should it not? The, the pitch is that it's going to be a public park now. It's going to be open to everybody. You'll be able to have picnics there. You'll be able to jog through there. You'll be able to take your family to a soccer game. So they, the people who are in favor say that it's more open to the public than a golf course, well, which he, is what it's been right now. He, here's, what, um, here's what I'm hearing from the, the biggest critics. Okay, great, MLS is coming. We're going to get soccer in a stadium. But what's going on in this plan, Ed, is that the soccer stadium is a mere excuse for development uh, at Mel Reese. That, that's what I'm hearing critics say. No, it's a development plan. And let's understand, part of the development plan is the key component is the soccer stadium. But there's something different going on here, I think. You have now local... Uh, key local people who are from Miami, Jorge Mas and others now, are bringing real credibility to this. This is not uh, Jeffrey Loria, you mm -hmm. know, part two. Right. Very different. This is very different. Yes. So there's a certain level of credibility that he brings and that the group brings in addition to the flash of David Beckham. And so I agree I that MLS, those are yeah, much different. MLS, MLS basically asked David Beckham last winter, said this deal is done unless you find a local partner. Right. Right. We need someone who really understands Miami, who knows yeah. how Miami works and how Miamians think. And, 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 and Jorge, and Nancy Jorge Mas is a really credible figure, but the process, you, your page the has raised questions about the process. Right, it is the process. The uh, plans were played very, very close to the vest leading up to the initial um, city commission vote on whether to put this on the ballot, and they punted until commis each commissioner was able to wrangle what he, what he mm -hmm. wanted. Well, three of uh, them anyway. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's all you needed, three. Right. Again, 
it's, it's, it's an attractive, it can be an attractive and successful development. However, will the city commission, will city leaders be good stewards of what is public property? We have seen things head south in this community because the city commission just kind of threw things over. Watson Island is the prime mm -hmm. example. Jungle Island is the prime example of, um, of uh, an institution that could not live up to its promises and that the city of Miami really hasn't forced to. And people are very skeptical. People are just, they, well, first of all, the word stadium, the word stadium is like a four-letter word in this town. <laughs> you say stadium and people just immediately put up an yeah. X. So they really have to prove that this is different from the Marlins. This is fully f privately funded and this and that and that their intentions are right and that the taxpayers are not going to be taken to the cleaners for it. And, and there is a lot of skepticism and they are going to have right. to, between now and November, right. they have a lot of they have a lot of uh, lobbying to do. to do. Well, let me talk about the process, though. The process isn't that the commission just voted and now mm -hmm. it's going to happen. No, it's voted to put on the ballot. Right. And so now it's going to be subject to a campaign of some sort where people are going to be able to decide mm -hmm. what is good for the city if this makes sense. Right. And so mm -hmm. I think that's democracy in action. And so let this now be put before the voters, up or down. Let's go. 193,000. 300 and something Miami voters right. have this in their hands. Have this right. in their hands. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And a lot of questions need to be answered. And again, the question is stewardship and process. And uh, again, we really need the, 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 the city leaders to hold everyone's feet to the fire here. Yeah. We've seen failure before. Well, we have invited and will get uh, Mayor Francis Suarez on the program, but he's not voting on this but he is wholly in favor of it. But He's all in. Oh, yeah. He He's is. fully all on right. board. Hold yes. your thoughts. We'll be back. Talk more about soccer, governor's race, other things, whether the Dolphins should be able to kneel or not. You want to hear this. So stay with us. We'll be right back. <laughs> Welcome back. We are in the midst of our roundtable. And Michelle Kaufman, let me ask you, you have covered soccer for so long. You know it so well. The premise to this whole David Beckham team Beckham thing is people, a lot of people, are going to go fill up a 25,000-seat stadium at least, what, 17 times? 17 season? regular season games, 17 yes. regular <clears throat> season. Will they do it? I absolutely think they will. Uh, this is this sport right now in this city, I think, other than the Miami Dolphins and, well, the, even ahead of the Miami Dolphins with the younger generation. But... Soccer is huge in Miami. You just saw during the World Cup, every restaurant was you know, packed right. with people watching and the top TV ratings. The biggest question, honestly, is the passion. Miami fans know soccer like nobody's business. I mean, Miami, Miami fans are very savvy. They know what top-level soccer is. The but question they want is top-level Right. Soccer. The question is, will that passion for the international game translate to our domestic league? The fans in Miami are not following MLS right now. They're not. They're following La Liga in Spain. They're following the English Premier League. They're following the World Cup, the Champions League, the South American Leagues. They're sitting at home on weekends watching all their favorite players. They know the lineups of every team in the world, but they're not necessarily watching Portland against Kansas City. Mm -hmm. So the question is, one of, after they get this stadium issue resolved, the next thing is going to be to convince the soccer fans of Miami that MLS is worth watching because right now it is viewed somewhat as a second tier league to the leagues around the world 
and the fans in Miami know what a good team looks like. Now, the way that they say they're going to do it is, A, David Beckham says that he's going to be able to lure some very, very big-name players to this team. And, and is already working and on that. And is already that. working on yeah. that. And that there are players around the world in Europe and South America who want to live in Miami, who want to have a condo overlooking the Bay, and some of them already do, in fact. A lot of soccer stars from Europe and South America already vacation in Miami. Yeah. They have condos in Miami. So right. it's an attractive place for international soccer. Mm -hmm. and But they will definitely have to convince the the Colombian fan, the Argentine fan, yeah. the Brazilian fan who lives in Miami, that rather than staying home and watching your teams on TV, you're going to go out to the stadium and support this team. Okay. I will say this. Uh, the Hard Rock Stadium has been able to get 72,000 yeah, for, for games Real Madrid against Barcelona. Now they've got this coming week. Manchester United is playing Real Madrid and Bayern Munich is playing Man City. They're expecting huge crowds. If they even get a third of those people to come watch the MLS, they're going to fill the 25,000-seat stadium. This okay. is fun. This week in sports in South Florida. This is the whole new show. <laughs> All right, can we talk politics just a little bit here? The, yes. uh, the Democrats debated in Fort Myers. Michael was there. Uh, Jeff Green, Nancy, for the first time, mm -hmm. sat up on that stage. And did he make any kind of uh, dynamic inroads? I think he probably made some inroads in probably displacing a Phil Levine, mm -hmm. two rich guys and well which one are you going to pick and i'm really not sure the degree to which a phil levine is going to 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 play and really be attractive outside of the south florida outside outside of south florida yeah i we, don't want to mm -hmm. for a second sound sanctimonious about mm -hmm. the power of tv advertising mm -hmm. but ed uh, on this station and stations throughout the state jeff green has spent i think something like 12 million dollars of his own money yeah. on media. Now he's number two in the polls mm -hmm. and moving up. This was a Republican who ran in California. I mean, so I mean, maybe as a Republican. A long time ago. long time ago, but you know, <laughs> the Democratic race is really, it's Gwen Graham and the guys. Gwen and the men is how right? she Gwen, Gwen and the men. And I think that the, the, the one man I do believe that has a chance to break out uh, is the mayor of Tallahassee, Andrew Gillum. I, I think that he speaks to uh, the Democratic Party as it is today, which is a little bit, a little further left um, mm -hmm. than just the simple liberal, typical Democratic politics. So I do think that he has a potential path. Uh, now, whether he can get the message out, it's a big state. I don't know how well funded his campaign well, is. Well, Tom Steyer, that's the California billionaire, yeah, not only gave him a million bucks, but gave him 50 campaign staffers mm -hmm. to work. And I think, I think Nancy, mm -hmm. that in fact, that gave Gillum a big, a big it boost. It gave him a big boost. I do agree with Ed that he is speaking a slightly different language than traditional Very Democrats who who have not caught fire yeah. and who have not been able to get out enough people to the polls to, to, to get them across the finish line. So he has, as I said, it's a slightly different language. And on the Republican side of the race, the, the newest independent poll that's out shows Ron DeSantis with a 12-point lead, 42 to 30, 12-point lead over Adam Putnam. I mean, what uh, the, the news of the the, the uh, agriculture secretary's office botching the gun permits and then you know there's this green toxic sludge bubbling up on both coasts and you know that's got to be a killer for a campaign for governor. DeSantis has a message that is now speaking to Republican voters and he's always had a message around that he is a, a principled conservative coming out of the Freedom Caucus in Congress. Now 
how that plays in the general, we'll have to see. But he does have momentum as we sit today. And interesting, I've seen polling numbers that say those who know that President Trump has endorsed Ron DeSantis show 20 points yeah. over Adam Putnam. And those who didn't know show Putnam slightly ahead. So it's, it's the power of the president in this respect is now reaffirming Ron DeSantis as, in fact, the, the person who has the momentum. And I wouldn't be surprised if he won. Mm -hmm. Well, he is a, he's an impressive, very smart guy, Yale undergraduate, Harvard, Harvard. Law School. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's, he's well, but very Jack conservative. Core, right? And mm -hmm. after the disastrous news conference in Helsinki, one of the people who went on Fox News to say it was pretty good was Ron DeSantis. So he's not going to run away from President Trump. All right. We've got more to talk about on the roundtable, and we're going to get to that question of whether Dolphin players will be able to kneel if they want to make a social protest during the national anthem, so stick around for that. And once again, on this Sunday, we are in the midst of a roundtable, and let's move on to the question that came out this week uh, uh, all over the country, and Michelle Kaufman, of whether the Dolphins are going to take any punitive actions, punish any player who should want to kneel uh, during the national anthem. Sort of take us through what's going on. Right. Well, it just seems to go back and forth, back and forth. I mean, the league wants to take a stand, but then the public outcry, and then they, they back off. And that's what happened this week. I mean, I, I, I really wish that that issue would just go away, and we could just get back to talking about the preseason football team and who well, are the Dolphins going to have. Adam Gase wants to get back to Yes. It. He had nothing to uh, say about it. You know, it. the big debate is really, I don't think anyone questions everybody has a right to, to, it's a free country. You can make whatever demonstrations you want, but the league as a private entity and a private company has the right to make right. rules. So I work for the Miami Herald. The Miami Herald has the right to tell right. me that I'm not allowed to have a protest in my place of business. And, you know, you can either abide by the rule or not. So I think it's, it's a very... It's a very touchy issue because it touches on politics, it touches on race, right. and uh, the league just, you know, the league really, I think, should get back to focusing on the teams and the players and the things that the fans really care most about. Right. Every time they keep bringing up this issue, it's, it's rekindling a lot, of, a lot of bad feelings among the fans yeah. and among the players. It is, but you know what, that's life in America also. Mm -hmm. I agree. I think the NFL does have the right. It's a, it's a private entity. It, what it needs to do, though, it, it is hurting cats, though, because you have all of these teams that are taking different approaches. Mm -hmm. And so what is the point of the rule? Well, I, think I do think that this issue, sorry, I'm sorry, I do think this issue is where it needs to be. They're talking again. <laughs> They're talking again. What I'm all for negotiation. Yeah. What complicated it, though, is that this week, Stephen Ross, the team owner, said, mm -hmm. uh, well, there will be some suspensions, right. and this will be our punitive course of action. And then he said, oh, no. I, I said it wouldn't be suspension. It was it was kind of like right, the President Trump said, thing. Yeah, they I, said I would or I wouldn't. And they said that the Dolphins, right, the Dolphins, the complication, I think, was a, a five-hour window where the league had told the teams that they have to put a policy in place. The Dolphins opened camp early. The Dolphins 
put the policy down. The other teams had not, even though some obviously right. probably were going to make a policy. So the Dolphins looked really bad in this deal. And then in the end, pulled back and said, no, no, no. Now we're back at the table. We're talking and all of this. But Just forget everything. This is a case management of how you yeah. mess up a simple issue. You have a great game. We should be talking about the return of Ryan Tannehill and whether the Dolphins can overtake the Patriots this year, but we're not because we, the NFL, Roger Goodell has blown this issue again. It's kind of like, you know, having a bad meal and it repeats and repeats and repeats on you. The bottom line is, is that this is just mismanagement from the NFL. And to be blunt, you guys said it best. NFL is a private, a private entity. And honestly, they can make rules and the players have to live by the rules. End of story. And we can get into the debate whether they should or shouldn't display. That's a, a First Amendment issue. I'm happy for them to say whatever they want to say. But the, as the employee, they have to abide by the rules of the league. Because it's during End the game story. time. Because it it's is. during the game it's time. Entertainment. It's during the game time. It's entertainment. Fans don't want to get, they don't want to go to a football game and spend, they want three or four hours to have escape, escape politics. from politics. Escape they politics. don't want to deal with this. And they're fans, and they're right. fans that absolutely support what these African-American players are doing. And, and right. so they have got to do, they could, you know, the owners could also grow a spine and support these players. They could grow a spine, you know, and they, they could, could grow a spine and not, because, because the economic impact they're killing the golden goose. The, the attendance was down, revenue was down from the league, and it goes back to this issue. So is it a and commercial so it's, issue? Well, it depends upon who it's boycotts whom. It's got to be a commercial whom. issue. After all, they're a commercial entity. Well, it depends it, upon who boycotts whom, though. And the it's a national the conversation. The fans who support the, the, right, the, the players want to boycott. So right. the, I think that the question then is, if it's a pure economic decision, right. then if the teams have a rule, the leagues have a rule, you have to stand for the national anthem, or you can't kneal. If the players or don't stay, like that, or stay or in the locker room, locker room. stay in the locker room, whatever. They make their rule. If there are players that don't like the rule, mm -hmm. the players can boycott and say, I'm not going to work. Mm -hmm. Or if they do do it, then the fans can the fans can boycott and say, I don't support the NFL because yeah. of the stand they're well, taking. And it's not just boycotting the NFL, it's boycotting their advertisers. Oh, not a, that's, that's not a good issue for right. the NFL. And that yeah. is the it's final word for this morning. Thank you so much for a really great roundtable. Hope your knee <laughs> feels better. Thank you. Yeah. Mr. Pizzoli had a little <laughs> knee surgery this week, still came in, so good for him.